Casual Diary Podcast, episode 321. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of the Cashflow Diary Podcast. The podcast that teaches you insider tips, tactics, and strategies for creating leveraged streams of cash flow into your life. Learn from top performing entrepreneurs, business owners, investors, and thought leaders from across the globe as they share their secrets to success. Like what you learn on this and other Cashflow Diary podcast episodes? Go to learninvestingnow.com and sign up to receive powerful tips and information that will help you succeed as an entrepreneur and investor. Now, here's your host, investor, entrepreneur, business owner, educator, speaker, author, and master facilitator of Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Game, Jay Massey. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Diary Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Massey, and I'm glad that you're here today because we're going to talk about something that I don't think we talk about enough. See, a number of you have been out there doing your thing for a little while. You have figured out what you are supposed to do, what your business is. It has matured. You have been knocking it all out of the park for a while. However, while things may be great in the business, you haven't thought beyond the business, or you're not sure how to get beyond the business when it comes to your finances and money, or maybe there's a charity out there, or two, or 12, that you'd like to contribute to, and you're just trying to figure out how those pieces can fit together, and today I have with me someone who can help you and I do those very things. So you should be a little bit excited, because now we're going to talk about not just how to make money for you, but how to make sure that you leave money behind in the same way to go on and keep doing the great things that you're doing. I have with me today none other than John Bowen. He's the co-founder of AESNation.com. It is a rapidly growing community of entrepreneurs dedicated to accelerating their success while making a difference in the world. He also has a podcast, Accelerating Entrepreneurial Success, is the name of the podcast, by the way. And what you want to hear are some of the unique things that he does. In fact, he has a business model that I've actually never heard of before. He's a, uh, he is that person. Have you ever seen a financial planner and go, I, gee, I wish I could get a quote unquote second opinion of him or her? Well, he's the guy that can help you figure that out. He's the guy that has the ability to help you figure out how to build your wealth, like I said, beyond and outside of your business. And what's really cool is that he coaches many financial planners along and across the globe. And what's interesting is that today, he's going to share that wisdom with you and I. So let's get started. John, you there? I am indeed, Jay. That was a great introduction. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that you are here taking the time to to take your, I will say, easily decades worth of wisdom, and we'll try to get it all out in uh, the time that we have. I don't know how successful we're going to be. Do you think we can condense like decades into into minutes? Well, we can indeed. Uh, there's been a lot of hard-learned lessons. We don't have to go over all the hardest learned. Just go out with the solutions. Got it. I like it. So uh, this being your first time here, I tend to ask everybody the same question the first time that they're here. Are you ready? I am very ready to help inspire your listeners to really making an impact for their families and their communities. Excellent. And themselves. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So I tend to look at today's entrepreneurs, of course, you are one, uh, like like yesterday's, 
superheroes. So, you know, you got Superman, you got the Hulk, you got Black Widow, Wonder Woman, etc. And I think entrepreneurs and superheroes have a ton of things in common, chief among them. Occasionally, we get dressed up, we put on our capes and types and tights and masks, and we go out there and we use our special powers to help our customers and provide quality products and services, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I also think that just like superheroes, entrepreneurs uh, also have a beginning, meaning before Spider-Man was climbing walls, he was just kind of taking photos and doing his own thing. So my question to you is before being the lifelong entrepreneur that you've become, before, you know, doing your your work in Silicon Valley and working with high-profile clients and doing everything that you've been able to get done, even before the podcast, what we want to know is, who is John Bowen? Uh, it's a great question, Jay. And it's, you know, his background, I mean, there's there's one moment in my life that really caused all of this, and it was back in uh, my junior year of college. I can still remember it was May 5th, and I got a call from my wow. dad. Hmm. And up until that point, I had had what was a charmed life. I grew up in a small town in upstate New York. My dad and uncle owned a cast iron foundry. They were employing 400 people, pretty much had everything that I could ever imagine at that time. And, you know, life was good. And other than my father kept on giving me the bad jobs, he's kind of grooming me to <laughs> take over the company in his mind and whatever the worst job was. And I can still remember in the middle of a, a winter storm, taking pig iron bars, put it in a wheelbarrow and wheeling it over to be melted in the cupola to jackhammering, melting iron on the side. And it progressively got a little better that I was hoping this summer I was going to get a call from yeah, the summer job. I was going to call for my dad telling me that I was going to finally get an air conditioned office job. <laughs> yeah, kind of a high level aspiration and uh, get the call. And my dad says, uh, you know, son, I've got some bad news. The, the foundry is going to be going under. Your uncle's going to stay and wrap it up. I'm going to be going out looking for a job and, and your mom and I have decided to get a divorce and you don't have a summer job. And wow. yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, you take a step back and I can still see myself, you know, in that moment, Jay. And, and what came out was, you know, I asked my dad, are you going to be okay? And it was a long pause. And he said, I'm not sure. Mm. It was at that point to see, you know, someone who had been, you know, you know, relatively successful. Um, certainly in our community, we were, very successful family, and then have it uh, blown away in, in really you know overnight. Hmm. And what I and it didn't need to have happened. Had my father had the right advisors, all his money was in the business. The same with my uncle, and and you know it created an awful lot of turmoil. Had he had the right advisors, the right framing, he could have weathered that storm. And it was at that point I really decided to be a financial advisor, and I, I wanted to work with people so that, that would never happen to anyone else, hmm. Jay. And that's really what I've dedicated my. Uh, I'm 61 now. I've I've done that for you know my entire li uh, professional life, and uh, you know keep on making a difference. Interesting. Okay, I like this because this is <laughs> that's almost like true superhero. You know, everything's going fine, and then tragedy strikes, and you decide. To, to do something about it. Um, I find it interesting that um, 
you you so you grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. Did you other than working for your dad, did you ever work for you know another company? Well, I, I did. A, I did a. I, was, I had two large company experiences. One, uh, I worked for IBM in between grad school, and it was a great job because I uh, met my wife of 36 years there. So I always have fond memories of IBM, and I was a pilot in the Navy. But beyond that, I've always started my own businesses. So I was just starting a financial one, and. Also learning as a, a young man how to do acrobatic flying and uh, not surprisingly, Navy recruiters hang out there and say, hey, you know, you don't even have to pay for this. We'll pay you to come do it type thing. Nice, nice, nice. Now, so a number of people uh, oftentimes experience a little bit of trepidation when transitioning from the, we'll say, corporate lifestyle to doing their own thing. Where did your courage come from to be able to make that transition? Yeah, Jay, I think I probably wasn't smart enough to know any different. You know, I had been <laughs> raised in a family that that's what you did. Got My it. mother was fairly entrepreneurial as well. And, and we, you know, I just did that. I did find, you know, it was great training at IBM. It became very clear that I wasn't a corporate guy. Um, and, and I, and I knew, you know, the benefits. I mean, some of the times that we don't think about this, Jay, is that, you know, it, it, I do a lot of research. I've got a bunch of PhDs working with me for our various businesses. And, you know, I look at the population in the U.S. And those come back to what we're talking about here. But, you know, 320 million people, mm -hmm. um, about 120 million households, of which 7 million households have over a million dollars of financial assets. And what's interesting in our research is one out of three of those households are headed by a business owner. Mm. But where it really becomes very interesting when you look at having $5 million of personal wealth now outside of a business, uh, it's three out of four are business owners. And then when you get to $25 million, it's nine out of ten. So I've always known, you know, just from the groups that I've, uh, I've met, you know, all throughout my life that business owners – really have tremendous freedom. They have you know, the freedom for money when they're successful. They have freedom of time. They have the freedom of relationships. They have the freedom of purpose. Now, one of the challenges is we've got to structure our business so that we can accomplish all that. But having seen that and tried some of the core, I've sold a few businesses where I was then CEO of a large business. Mm -hmm. And other than staying through the earnout. Uh, and one day I didn't stay. And even, you know, I had, uh, you know, all kind. I mean, uh, you know, I was doing investment banking, kind of the high end, uh, you know, private jet, all that kind of stuff. And what you find is, you know, that why uh, that's out there. And, and what, one of the greatest beauties that we all have, Jay, and you're doing this too, is we get to, you know, we're not in business for more business. We're in business to build and support the quality of life that we want for ourselves and our enlightened self-interest, but for all stakeholders. We've got to take care of our clients. We've got to deliver tremendous value. You know, our teammates, employees, our partners, any shareholders that we have. But geez, if we do it on purpose, we can really accomplish some amazing things, which includes, you know, building this personal wealth so you can really do, you know, make a difference, not because of greed, but make a difference you know, for the family that you love, the indeed. causes that you care about. Indeed, indeed. And this is 
part and parcel, very close to my heart because part of the reason, um, one of the things that, and again, I don't think I've ever shared this, but what happened for me a number of years back was I called myself retiring. I got really bored. I'm like, dude, I got to do something else. And that came out, what came from that was teaching. And then I was hanging out with some of the rich dad advisors and, um, they, I was asking, I was like, I don't have a motivation to do another deal, uh, specifically because it's like, it's just going to be more money. And what they shared with me was like, well, why don't you just do a deal and give the money to a nonprofit or a charity? And I was like, ah, now I have something to work for again. And it made me excited uh, to keep helping other people and, and to make things continually happen. However, there's something that you said that I want to make sure because you said it so quickly. And it's mostly because you're so familiar with the statistic and the numbers. I think we we often forget you know, things like this. And I, I think it was really, really important. I just want to make sure I understood it correctly. You said there were, okay, so there's 320 million households in the U.S. That's what I heard. Yes. Uh, the 320 million people, people approximately. I'm rounding all the numbers sure, off, sure, sure, obviously. Sure. And that was 120, that which means that's 120 million households. That's correct. Okay. And of those 120 million households, 7 million of them have a million dollars worth of of investable assets outside of their business. Is that, was that, did I understand yeah, that correctly? That's correct. Okay. Uh, out, so 7 million have, them. uh, sorry, 7 million of them have a million dollars of investable assets. And of those 7 million, one in three are business owners. Yes. Got it. But when you said, and so, and if I understood you correctly, then when you take that number and increase it to 5 million, three out of four are business owners. And then when you go to 10 million, it's nine out of 10. Well, the last one was twenty-five million. It's oh, nine out of ten. But, 25. but when I mean, Jay, this is when you, all of us as fellow entrepreneurs, when we see these numbers, we go, "Wow!" And you know, and when we go to the twenty-five million above, for the most part, the balance that didn't do it in business inherited it in business. So, right. you know, the, the surest way to wealth in the U.S. and really around the world is. To have an equity stake in a business. Got it. And that and that's kind of where I was headed because basically that that simply means when I hear you say that, I, I translate that into have confidence in an idea that solves a problem for somebody else and 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 work until you make it make it or some version of it uh continue to go out there and happen, which to me would be the essence of equality in some in some way because anyone can have an idea well you know one of the things we talk about a lot today is income inequality and uh, you know it's really interesting because we do do a lot of statistical work and so on some of the biggest income inequality is among entrepreneurial families and what do i mean by that i don't know Jay, do you have any brothers or sisters? <laughs> Plenty of them. Okay. I do as well. Okay. <laughs> yes. And what happens, my guess is your family may not be that different than mine, is we've got an extreme wide range of a difference in income and net worth among our family members. And this is you know, very common. And I think you know, this is, it goes to what you're saying. It's not only the environment, obviously born in the U S gives us a huge advantage over somebody born in Bangladesh. Right. But if, if we want to go ahead and make that commitment to be an entrepreneur, to create a business, and then, you know, everybody thinks, well, I don't have yet the capability. So don't worry about that. If you make the commitment and then you have that courage 
the the capabilities will show up. Shows like yours, you're going to hear you know different things. There's all kinds of insights and information, and taking that persistency and going out and making it happen, you're going to gain that confidence. And this is kind of a you know virtual uh, sequel that you have, and, but you have to get started. Yeah. It, it nothing nothing stopped i mean nothing's ever going to happen until a until a sale is made that's one of the first things that i was trained on was uh you got to you got to do something you can't just sit around and think about it now there's something that you said earlier that i think was also uh again i don't know if it's common but i think you know from your perspective you'd be you know well qualified to comment on this you mentioned that if your father and uncle had had the correct advisors um, they could have weathered, you know, the storm, etc. And you mentioned really quick, you said all his his money was in the business. So I guess my question is, is that common amongst the entrepreneurs either that you work with or entrepreneurs in general? You know, one of the things that once we start having success, we sometimes believe our press uh, releases and our well, our story a little too much. And try not you know, to do that. That's yeah, and well, well, we can keep on investing in our business because it's been a great return. And one of the things that we really, you know, it's so important to not do is no matter how talented you are, when you have, you know, a, the largest part of your wealth tied up in it, you're taking specific risk. In uh, my dad's case, there were some regulatory changes. There was a big fluctuation in the dollar. And all of a sudden, they weren't competitive and they couldn't buy all, they couldn't afford to do all the environmental upgrades mm. that they were being required to do and meet the competitive overseas challenge that they had. Now, had he had, you know, and then all of a sudden financing dries up, had he had personal assets outside of his business. He would have been able to weather that storm. The same with my uncle. And it's just, you know, it's, it's again, we, we've got to be careful of, yeah, we want to invest in our business. We want to create and really make a difference. But at the same time, we've got to pay ourselves first and we've got to do it in a way that allows us to accumulate. We've got a, you know, not too silent partner that all your listeners know about, Jay, is, uh, you know, taxes. Yeah. And it's constantly <laughs> eroding. And to the extent that we can structure things, I, I know you know, your experience in real estate there, you know, there's tremendous tax advantages there. And there are a lot of other things we can do kind of lessons that the super rich, the people with 500 or million or more are doing, you know, we can repurpose and bring down with all the changes in technology and the innovative networks out there. Got it. Absolutely. Now, this, you bring up two very interesting things, and I'll let you handle them in whatever order you'd like is, you know, there's this point, uh, there's got to be an inflection point somewhere. At, and it's like, at what point do I know as the entrepreneur going, okay, now I need to start siphoning something off for my, myself personally? Is this something I need to do from the beginning? How does that work? And then as a corollary to that, you mentioned that the regulation changes, the the dollar did a, a move in the wrong direction and financing drying up. All of those things are still risks for us as business owners today. So, how it, I feel like the these two questions are, are, are kind of you know connected. So what is it that we do, and when do we do it <laughs> to be able to shield ourselves from things like this? Yeah, no, these I mean these are great questions, Jay. And let's take the first one on the personal wealth side. And as we're starting businesses, you know there there's that challenge because it takes you know capital to go now. 
The nice thing about business today, you and I are talking over uh, Skype, yes. and it's a free service. You know, we yes. both have sophisticated studios that really don't, you know, would have cost maybe a quarter of a million dollars 10 years ago. But know, for right? you know, today, <laughs> you know, anywhere from a few hundred dollars to a few thousand dollars. It's so you know, there are many, many businesses that don't require that much capital. They, they really require a lot of sweat equity right. and, uh, and, you know, some technical knowledge. We've got to bring some value, but what I'm going to encourage everyone to do is pay yourself first. I mean, if this is, you know, look at your, whatever business you're going to be in, whether it's professional services, whether it's a manufacturing Look at your peers and really design it that you're going to pay yourself first. What we do as business owners so often is pay ourselves with whatever's left over. And when we do that, you know, so often there's nothing left over, Jay. And and that requires some discipline. Now, one of the things having you know past experience in investment banker. You know, you're, the value of your business is the discounted cash flows that you're going to be able to get out of that. If you don't show that you can have earnings, your value, I mean, basically, you, you, you've got a job and nobody wants to buy a job. So we want to design it to be successful on purpose and have those cash flows. Second, you want to look you know, your question on financing. I mean, yeah. I want you to go back and Jay, I, I, sh I know you remember 2008, 2009 with your <laughs> real estate experience right. and me and financial services. Um, I was putting together a program for Lehman Brothers a Friday before they went under. Wow. It was so crowded with reporters out in front of their building. We couldn't even get in uh, type thing without somebody you know, shoving a camera and a mic in front of us. And so, you know, and at that point in time, if you wanted financing, I don't care who you were, it was almost impossible to get because the bank, you know, many of the banks weren't there anymore. Right. And so this is why we want to build up personal, you know, we, we want to do uh, scenarios on our businesses. We you know, always hope for the best, expect the worst. 2008, 2009 is probably a realistic scenario that we want to design our our business and our lives so that we can weather through that. And the only way we can is to build up our personal wealth. Got it. Now the, the, is there a, because I know someone's thinking, okay, John, I, I want to do some of this, but I'm trying to figure it out. You know, especially someone who's maybe trying to get a, a valuation on their business. They're like, well, um, how much do I take? How much do I keep? Is there a rule of thumb to, when it comes to paying myself first? I mean, what would you typically coach someone who say thinking about they want to take some action on what you're saying, but they don't know exactly what that first step is. Now, be careful as you listen to this episode, because there could be the, oh, I've heard this before going on in the back of your head. And if you have heard this before, here's the real question. What'd you do about it since the last time you heard it? And if you're hearing it again and you haven't done something about it, that's called a clue. So do something. Be prepared to take some measurable action towards seeing change so that the next time you hear advice like this, it's like, oh, yeah, I already did that. And it's more of a checklist. Speaking of checklists and looking for things to do to go out there to make business happen, why don't you pick up a copy of the book, Cashflow Diary, 10 Steps to Creating Wealth in Any Economy. Just go over to cashflowdiary.com forward slash free book. Again, that's cashflowdiary.com forward slash free book. 
Pick up a copy, read the copy, do what the copy says. Now, let's get back to the rest of the story. The, the very first step, Jay, would be to, if you needed to replace, you know, if I were going to hire somebody to replace me in my businesses or you were going to hire someone, you know, we would go out and look at the marketplace. And it wouldn't have anything to do with our profitability or lack thereof. Um, it's going to be, you know, what is it going to cost to have that person? I see. And, and ideally, I'd like to see that you pay yourself for what it would be for a job. That would be the ideal world. Got it. Um, and then, you know, to the extent that you can have a, because, you know, you're delivering a job, but you're also, you're the venture capitalist. You're funding your business too. So there has to be a return on that. So what, you know, and, and, you know, it'd be nice. Oh, take 20, 30%. You know, many of our businesses, we can't do that. So it's, you know, the first thing we can do, Jay, is be aware of the problem. The second is begin to take small steps and, you know, 1%, 2%, 3%, whatever you can do, start doing it. Get that discipline. And it's going to be amazing when you start on this journey, you start accumulating wealth, uh, how big a difference it's going to make. Got it. Got it. So in your time working with entrepreneurs, because this is uh, I bet you we're going <laughs> to we're going to be talking straight to some people on this one. Um, what would you say are some of the things that get in the way of an entrepreneur being willing to to do these to do exactly what we're talking about right now? Like what what stops us? What prevents us? Why isn't it done more frequently if, if this is such a huge issue? Well, let, let me give you two extremes. One, you know, starting a business and you're just working really hard. You're just starting to have some success. And what we tend to do is we we want to, you know, find other revenue sources. So we start spreading ourselves way too thin. Oh, We're I know nothing about a lot that. Of, yeah, <laughs> no, no, none of us. <laughs> no, no, no. Never done that one. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, anybody who's been more than an entrepreneur for a week knows that one well. And what happens is that, you know, you can you can eat up capital uh, without any problem at all. And you can have, you know, we mistake activity with success. And this is where it's so important to really have the financial models and keep track of where you are and, and, and be disciplined that you're going to have you know, X amount uh, that you're paying yourself first. I mean, you'll have setbacks. You're going to have some wins, too. And, you know, but, but go ahead and doing that discipline. And what we find, you know, Jay, that that's the biggest problem is the discipline part. Then the, the other side is you have so much success, you go, it's going to continue forever. And mm. I'm going to just keep on investing, investing in this. I'm going to make even more money. And lo and behold, you know, nobody gets through life unscarred. Right. Something happens. Yep. I did that one. Uh, that I did that one a few years back. It wasn't pretty. But we got through it. So, yeah, I think I I know exactly what you're talking about there. I remember that mindset because it, it feels like what can go wrong in that moment. You're like, I've, I keep doing deals. Everything's going the correct direction. And I'm sure a number of real estate investors, especially in 08 and 07, 06, who were there and around then can relate to that exact same feeling. So what would you say then for the we'll call them the recovering entrepreneur um how do they what like how do they prevent it 
you know, today? What do they do? They open up an account and just start putting money in there and just go, okay, cool. Don't touch it. Is that, is it literally that simple? Well, it's, it's almost, I mean, it's a little bit more than that. I mean, the very first thing is, you know, I would look at what are the major concerns I have. And, you know, I have the privilege of working with so many entrepreneurs and I'll make available to your listeners a study of 3,500 fellow business owners. But, you know, we went ahead and uh, really did a uh, survey to understand what were their big concerns. And, you know, this is where we all have company, Jay. You know, number one, they want to make smart decisions about their money. It's at 93 percent mitigating taxes. You know, it's it's 95 percent wanted to do that. I wonder about the other five percent. But, uh, <laughs> you know, what, what was interesting, only 23 percent were taking any action, not only their financial advisor, their accountant, anything proactive, hmm. you know, taking care of their heirs uh, was uh, 93 percent. And, you know, most of them, if they actually, the majority did have a plan, but their plan was so old and out of date and so many life-changing things and the tax law has changed tremendously since they set it up. And then also protecting your, you know, an asset protection plan. Hmm. Uh, This is for lawsuits and divorce. I mean, partnerships break up. Obviously, the more success you have, you're, you're more likely target. You know, divorces, unfortunately, happen. And only 15% of the people have a plan. And then, you know, this is where so so often business owners, entrepreneurs, you know, get you know, kind of you're greedy. Well, 68% wanted to do something even more to support the, you know, the charitable causes they care about. So I would look at those concerns, that framing, and then really identify whether, you know, how am, how am I doing on that? And how can I be proactive? And then in being proactive, it's not simply just setting aside money. It might be in the beginning, you know, kind of that emergency fund. But then sure. how can I set it aside on a tax advantage basis? Now we're talking. That, yeah, that can really provide, you know, uh, the ability to, to accumulate in a substantial amount over, you know, if I don't need it, that's going to be, a, I mean, what we want to build personal wealth is to fund you know, the liability of life. And what's happening is, you know, longevity. Now we got longevity risks, Jay. You and I mm. take care of ourselves. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of research. If we can make it the next 15 years, that most of us are going to live a high quality of life to 100, all the breakthroughs in medical. So, you know, now we've got to really fund that. How do we do that? So it's not only protecting yourself from adversity in the business, but, you know, let's, Let's go on the positive side. We're going, to, we're going to have a great life. And how can we fund it to do the things that we want to do and we care about? Indeed, indeed. I can remember back in one of my uh, days before a, a financial planner, one of the things that inspired me to want to transition to real estate was I was sitting down with a gentleman who was um, – his entire goal when we were putting together a plan for him, he was like, look, I just want to be able to take my wife out for an ice cream and, and movies. And if, if I could do that, I would – feel great because you know he's still worker or uh, yeah electron he had worked for mm-hmm. a utility company all these types of things and he was just having trouble trying to put the you know ends of months together and i and i can remember that being i know that was one of my decision points like i don't want that to happen which why i one of the things you left off the concern list or maybe you just didn't get to it and i was just curious about it was no one concerned about the effects of inflation or a devalued dollar in any way 
Well, that's it's really the number one concern is making smart decisions about their money. So that's those oh, are all the okay. things. It's kind of like you know the traditional retirement where most people are concerned, particularly business owners, aren't concerned with retirement because it sounds like you tried to take some time off. I, I when I was forty five. At a major liquidity event, we sold a business uh, mm-hmm. to partners and I, and we did exceptionally well and didn't, I didn't need to ever work uh, again. And I, I tried that. And my wife got tired of me dragging her all over the world doing fun things. <laughs> and, you know, six months in, she goes, you know, you should really start another business. But <laughs> Hold on, hold on, hold on. I find it funny. I, I, people ask me this question because they, I'm like, you don't understand. I got bored. I got I, I got bored. That's what happened. I was playing with photography equipment and remote-controlled helicopters. And I'm just like, I, I can't – I got to do something. So – but most people say they, they, they don't understand how that could happen. I find it funny that your wife's like tired of traveling, but yet it's the number one thing a lot of people want to go out there and get done um, nonetheless. But yes. Uh, you know, annually, we get together, Jay, and you know we, we decide you know what we want to accomplish the next year. And that goal for that year was she did not want to qualify for any – she was platinum on American <laughs> Airlines. She did not want to qualify for any – elite level ever again that's funny that's funny that the goal is to not fly awesome uh <laughs> that is, i can totally i can totally understand that uh because you, i think as humans we're designed to contribute and be significant in other ways and once you reach a certain point that that becomes the major thing to figure out how to do that and transfer that so um with that being the case, uh, you know, having to plan for inflation, because that's one of the big things that's always on my mind. It's one of my favorite reasons I love real estate, because it gives me control over my tax situation, and I can adjust my income relative to inflation simply because by changing rents. It's really, really simple to do. My, but my thought process or my question to you is, how does one make this plan in such, I mean, it's one of the things I've always found difficult is we're making a plan today based upon today's dollar. But you said it yourself. We are living longer. How do you make a plan that actually stands integrity, the integrity of time? I mean, in 15 years, I mean, technology changes every 35 seconds, you know, and business is changing at such a rapid pace. This sounds like and this sound that in and of itself just sounds like a job. You know, well, and it's, well, and it's, you know, the nice thing, uh, I live in Silicon Valley, so I've seen, I had the privilege, started my career in the late 70s. So I, I don't even think we referred to it as Silicon Valley then and, <laughs> and uh, worked with some of the earliest entrepreneurs managing billions of dollars. So, you know, I got to know these guys and, you know, I look at, you know, the, the, the computer systems that I have in my office now versus what I had the very first one. I wow. bought a mini computer for about $200,000 that, wow. you know, my Apple uh, iPhone is much more <laughs> powerful and a little bit of a fraction of the cost. So, and, you know, and it's not going to stop. And this is what's so great is we don't have to see everything. I mean, it'd be nice if we could, but we can't. No one person can. But what we can do is we can choose to participate. And one of the things that you know, I grew up in the financial markets and what what I'm a big believer in, Jay, that you know, I, I like real estate. Real estate is to me a business. It's not a passive thing because it's an operating business. Okay, hold on, hold on. 
Go ahead. You just you just hit such a hot button for me, and I know somebody was uh, washing dishes. Their dog barked in the background. Their kid bothered them. Something. I need you to say that again, my friend. Well, I I haven't invested in a, a, a built office buildings, invested in apartment complexes, and so on. I, I'm here to tell you there's some work involved <laughs> along the way. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, and what we all tend to do is whatever our background, and there's a lot of different ways of accumulating wealth, and real estate is a great way, you know, to leverage and take. It's an easier way to take risk, but there's hard work, and you've got to be able to dedicate the time, energy, and get the experience to do it well. And there's specific risks, you know, no matter who you were, 2008, 2009 was a tough time to be a real estate investor, 2001, right. I can name a whole bunch of times that they were. And it's the same with the financial markets. But what I like about the financial markets, I, I want to have a, you know, as a, entrepreneurs, everybody thinks we want to take a lot of risk. We don't want to take risk. We want to mitigate risk as much as possible. So we're going to build simple and elegant businesses, stay focused as much as we can. Guys like you, Jay, and I, we have to hire people to keep us focused, but we got, we're focused. And then as we build our personal wealth, what we're doing is we're doing two things. One, we establish our philosophy about the financial markets. And in my case, you know, I, I'm a big believer in this concept of modern portfolio theory, efficient markets. So I own over 50,000 positions, different companies. And you could do this with index funds and other tools and so on. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be a lot of money. But by doing that, I know that every one of those CEOs is working for me. Now, I know they could care less whether I make more money, <laughs> but in their own enlightened self-interest, they're doing everything they can to foresee the future that you right. and I were just talking about. Right. And you know, not all are going to be successful. Well, I don't need all of them. I know that I own the next Microsoft. I don't know which one it is or the next Apple or the next Google or you know, uh, Uber, Airbnb, but that's where you know you can accumulate and you do a diversified portfolio work with a really smart advisor and the big part here is they have to work with you on what i call advanced planning and this is that other you know we talked about making smart decisions about the money but mitigating taxes yeah. if we can create structures you know sophisticated retirement plans uh, so many people uh, jay this might even affect you in the sense of you own a bunch of real estate you're paying a lot of insurance premiums for all the different things that you have. Well, set up your own insurance company, a captive insurance company. It's unbelievably attractive. Gives you a lot of flexibility. And this is the type of things that wealthy people are doing to accelerate their success even more. Yes. And we do pay a lot of insurance. That's for sure. <laughs> well, and, and the one thing, you know, on, uh, I might just stick on the captive insurance because it's, it's an interesting concept. When we survey financial advisors at the high end, about half are aware of it. But in a recent survey we did of just over 800 financial advisors, and these are top-end advisors, only 13 had ever been involved in helping a single client with this. And this is where the missed opportunity is. There's I use the term pretenders. There's a lot of pretenders out there, Jay, that, you know, they, they, they're not that they want to do anything wrong. That, that's predators. Here, pretenders are well-intentioned people who just don't know. They don't right. know what they don't know. And they so quickly tell you, oh, don't do that because there's something there. But you want to work with people that actually know what they're doing, that walk the path before you, 
have actually made it happen and done well by doing that. Indeed. Now, I know that a number of individuals have enjoyed listening and can tell that you have a vast amount of experience, knowledge, and and probably can help them. So what's going to be the best way for them to find out more uh, about what you guys are doing and and maybe connect with you guys on a deeper level? So the the very first thing would be to go to AESNation.com and download an ebook called The State of the Entrepreneur. Uh, Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach and Joe Polish of Genius Network, two phenomenally successful entrepreneurs, and I worked together and we surveyed 3,500 business owners. And what we've been talking about is in that ebook. It's a fast, quick read, and it's going to really help you accelerate your success. There's also a scorecard there about maximizing your personal wealth. So you can take a look at kind of where you are and whether you should get a second opinion. See, you know, what we do, most of us get second opinions on the medical side and on the survey of business owners we just completed. Over the last year, 41% had gotten a second opinion on the medical side and, and two-thirds of them thought it was worthwhile. Hmm. When we asked on the personal financial side, Jay, it was only 11% had gotten a second opinion on any personal financial 90% said it was worthwhile. When we survey people who have 100 million or more family offices, they do it routinely. And it almost always changes their belief. They're being able to get access to more talent, to uh, the right structure. So one of the things that we do at AES Nation is we make available second opinions as well uh, for business owners, successful business owners. And I got to tell you, it just makes a big difference in making sure you're going in the right direction and you're working with the right people. Well, and I think it makes a, a lot of sense. I mean, if if a doctor is recommending some high level surgery that has lots of complications and could have a strong effect on your health, um, it would only make sense to have that same thing from a financial perspective. And that's one of the things I find unique about what you guys are doing is you you, you bring that to the marketplace as, hey, let's get a, fi- a second financial opinion uh, so that you can make sure. I mean, you know, point, counterpoint, it, worst case scenario, they, they maybe the second opinion agrees 100%, but at least you have a compared to what and you're not flying blind or just by a single captain. Well, and I don't want them to go through what our family, my dad, mom went through. There's right. no need to do that. And by building up that personal wealth, we can take care of the people we love and the cause we're about. Got it. Excellent. Now, as we wind down here, I have a question for you. I think your answer is going to be interesting to me. Uh, so l- let's pretend for a moment that somebody listening, though, is, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're standing in front of the superhero outfit store and they want to, to get into this game. They have aspirations of doing all the great things uh, that we're talking about. And not only that, but that let's say that they actually have the idea. They, they It's been rattling around in their head for a little while. However, uh, as you well know, they're, they're dealing with that, that voice in the back of their heads, that voice that comes up anytime that we want to step into something bigger than our current place. We want to be great. And for some people, they're actually related to that voice, and that could be a mm-hmm. challenge. Um, my question to you would be, what would you say to that person if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that right now today they would actually take action and do, complete, and follow through on what it is that you would suggest, you, and they would do it within the next 24 to 48 hours? What would you say to them? 
That's a great question, Jay. I've never had that one in all these interviews, conversations, and so on. But I, I think that if if you're not already a business owner and you've been thinking about being an entrepreneur, and there will be no shortage, uh, you know, as you said, Jay, of people telling you, don't take the risk, you know, get a corporate job, but, you know, the whole track that we're all supposed to do. And, and oftentimes it's, you know, spouse, significant others, they can't help themselves. They've got that training too. What I would encourage you to do is just do it. And, and I'm going to give, I'm going to break two different ones if it's okay, Jay. One is, yes, is read a book. It's an old book. Uh, the Wall Street Journal put it in the top 10 small business books ever written. Uh, a fellow Michael Gerber, E-Myth Revisited. Michael's yeah. a good friend. He just, uh, geez, I think he just turned 80. I can't remember if it was 80 or 85. I think it was 80. And just uh, really talented, very inspiring. Because if you're going to be a business owner, one of the things that we make the mistake a lot of times is we have some technical knowledge. And if by reading E-Myth, it's going to show you kind of the general framing, a very simplistic framing, but business can be simple. So, you know, the, the idea is that we want to move away you know, we're, it's simple initially because we're ignorant. Then as we understand things, it gets really complicated. What where wealth is made is when you move to the right side of complexity and make it simple again for those people you're working with. Simple and elegant. And he does that well. The second is I would get in a group of other entrepreneurs, ideally ahead of you a little bit, some type of mastermind, you know, group that you're hanging out with. Because when you're, you're drinking friends, <laughs> your buddies, they're more likely than not, not going to be entrepreneurs. If you aren't, you've got to get in a group. I'm in, Jay, I spend 100000 a year to be in CEO groups, mastermind groups. Right. And I don't do it because you know, I need people to hang out with. I do it because <laughs> I get great ideas, great connections, and it's been worth many, many millions of dollars to me. So I would encourage your listeners to do that as well. Excellent. 100% agreed. And yes, Michael Gerber has been writing some really good books and I love him too. So thank you uh, for just taking the time, you know, to to share your wisdom, your expertise, giving us an opportunity to go, you know, grab the scorecard, all those types of things, because all of us are trying to become bigger, better, better. And you're out there enabling and making that happen. And as I said before, thanks for taking the time to invest your knowledge and wisdom here with us today at the Cashflow Diary. Well, thank you, Jay, and uh, I appreciate all the difference you're making as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's time for you to move at the speed of instruction. What does that mean? That means you need to go download the scorecard. That means it's time for you to actually take action. It means stop thinking about the estate plan. Do it, because there are so many other things that you want to go out there and do. You got into business for a right reason. Now let's see it. All the way through. I know it's uncomfortable, but that's so what? We live in uncomfortable. That's the definition of who we are. Go out there and make it happen. It's been fun talking to you guys today. I look forward to talking to you soon. Until next time. <laughs>